Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is the final week of organized team activities, and next week the Tennessee Titans will hold their mandatory minicamp. After that, players will be on their own until the start of training camp. Yes, folks, the offseason is moving quickly. And before we get into the weightier matters of this episode of Believe in Titans, let's start off with a quick look at some recent news items. Since last we talked, first-round pick Peter Peter Skaronsky and third-round pick Ty J. Spears signed their contracts, which leaves only second-round choice Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky, as the only one of this year's six Titans draft picks who remains unsigned. No reason to think that there will be any issues in the negotiations with Levis, but it should be noted that the final member of last year's draft class to sign was quarterback Malik Willis, and his deal did not get done until the day rookies reported for the start of training camp. So that will bear watching over the next couple weeks. A couple days ago, the Titans signed defensive lineman Jaleel Johnson, a 28-year-old veteran who has played for four teams in six seasons. He was a fourth-round pick by Minnesota in 2017 and has played 74 games in his career with 21 starts. Only once in 2020 with the Vikings was he a full-time starter. And finally, punter Brett Kern retired from the NFL on Thursday. Kern, of course, played 12 full seasons and part of one other with Tennessee and was a three-time Pro Bowler and a 2019 All-Pro. Most notably, in my mind, 373 punts inside the 20 versus just 48 touchbacks during his time with the Titans, a ratio of 7.8 inside the 20 for every touchback, which is a... uh, which is a remarkable number to me. Uh, we can uh, we can touch on those further as need be. Uh, but as always, this is Believe in Titans with the usual cast of characters. I am David Beauclair, joined by former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you? I'm doing great this evening. How are you and uh, John doing this evening? Uh, David? I'm, I'm doing great, John, of course, being John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, how are you? I'm well. Hope you guys are too. Doing, doing good, and the uh, the the big news in the NFL, of course, in uh, since our last meeting was uh, the Arizona Cardinals' decision to release wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins is a bona fide star in this league. The Titans need wide receiver help. I think we all can agree on that, and we have seen since Mike Rabel became head coach in 2018. Player after player after player after player with Houston Texans ties come to Tennessee. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, started his career, spent his best days with the Houston Texans, is uh, 
it, John, I'll start with you. Is is he the one who's not going to get here somehow, or uh, or should the be should the Titans be doing everything they can to to get him here? Well, my my first kind of inclination on DeAndre Hopkins is steer clear. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of my initial gut reaction, and and plenty of reasons for that. You know, he's he's soon to be thirty one. You know, Titans have gone down the veteran wide receiver road many times over the years, and including certainly the last two when they gave up draft picks for Julio Jones and for Robert Woods. Neither of those really panned out. You know, we're starting to see DeAndre Hopkins miss some games, significant amounts of games. Played only 19 out of 34 the last two years. Well, six of those were suspension, but he's also had an MCL. He's had a hamstring injury. Uh, and he's also, you know, going to be looking for big money, you know, reportedly looking for for something along the lines of um, Odell Beckham, uh, which was about fifteen million dollars or so. Uh, so all that you know makes me initially say, "Don't do it, don't do it." Steer clear. But uh, unfortunately, I think the Titans are in such a precarious position at wide receiver. I think they have to to go for it. I think they have to be in the running at least. I think they have to seriously kick the tires, check the price on DeAndre Hopkins because there is so little proven track record in that wide receiver room for the Titans. You know, you've got some potential in Burks, uh, you know, maybe in, in Phillips, you know, and, and maybe in, even in some of the, uh, the, you know, Colton Dowell as well, this year's seventh rounder. There's no proven track record that the numbers of the returning receivers are, are pitiful when you compare them to the, to the rest of the league, um, you know, and, and so, I, I think you have to at least be in the running for him. I think you have to at least try and sell DeAndre Hopkins on the fact that he put up big numbers when Tim Kelly was his offensive coordinator with Houston, that he's got that connection with Mike Vrabel, uh, and and that this is a you know this is an offense that is rebuilding, revamping, uh, you know, and and that he can be a part of that. So I, I hate to do it, but I, I I think Titans have to be in. They have to be competitive on this. Yeah, it, it's hard to. It's hard not to think of the the failed Julio Jones attempt here when when you're talking about DeAndre Hopkins. But the the big difference is, of course, then you were trying to pair Julio Jones with uh, with AJ Brown and what you thought was going to be the number one wide receiver tandem in the league. And number two, you 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 traded, you paid a heavy price to to get uh, to get Julio Jones uh, with you know yes. Hopkins will carry a hefty price tag, and it's more than than the Titans' current cap room at the moment. Um, but it, but in terms of future capital, you won't have to give up anything there. So it, 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 it makes a little more sense, I think, that way. Denard, you certainly know as well as as anyone. A guy at 31, maybe he's not as fast as he used to be, but he's a big, strong guy. Uh, can make contested catches. Uh, what could a guy like that do for the Titans offense? I love D-Hop. You know, I've been a big fan of his since he was at Clemson. He is an explosive player. Let's not forget last year. I know he missed six games because of the uh, he violated the league's performance enhancing drug policy. But when he came back last year, I mean, against especially the Saints, he lit it up, 10 receptions for 103 yards, and he was absolutely – he was torching, torching that secondary. So that told me uh, that he still got it. He still got something in the tank. And when you look at this receiving court, David, 
uh, right now your number one receiver is going into his second year. Now I know last year when his number his number was called, uh, he did a phenomenal job, and we're talking about Traylon Burks. But outside of Traylon Burks, your most experienced receiver is Nick Westbrook Ikene. And he's he's only going into his fourth year. So it would make sense if you ran Carthon, you haven't made a big splash in free agency. And now you can bring in D-Hop, which would basically help that perimeter game. Because what D-Hop brings, he brings experience. This is a team right now, they're lacking experience uh, in the perimeter game. So it would make sense right now. I hope it's not about money, but you got to understand, David, that Tim Kelly, and D-Hop, they have a history together. Let's not forget, in 2017, the best 2017 to 2019, the best receiver in the game was D-Hop. So it would just make sense. And Tim Kelly was the offensive coordinator in 2019. Familiarity breeds success in this league. I mean, I think it would be a great move by the Titans. Yeah, I, I mean, the one thing he does and, and that I, you know, and it's a skill that I don't think would probably ever go away from a wide receiver is the ability is his ability to make contested catches. I mean, if, 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 if the ball's within his reach and, and regardless of whether there's a defender on him, two defenders on him, it, it, you know, that guy seems to come down with the ball and, and Ryan Tannehill proved when AJ Brown was here, he's willing to trust his wide receivers to go make a play. If he thinks they can go make a play. And, uh, uh, you know, from, from that sense, from that perspective, it makes perfect sense to me that, uh, that, that this would work. You know, Mike Vrabel, like I said, he, you know, he, players who know him have wanted to come play for him you 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 would have to believe that that uh that would give the titans some sort of cachet in in this process if they're uh if if they're in fact going for him and and Rand carthen wasn't here wasn't the guy who traded for julio jones and got very little in return for that so he's not you know he's not feeling the sting of that that the way the way the fans are certainly the way John Robinson I'm sure did a, a year or so ago. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's easy. I think for the Titans to get and Titans fans to get excited about this possibility. Fact of the matter is though, I, there's probably a whole lot of teams out there that are, uh, that are looking at this guy and thinking they, you know, that he can help them because, because he, I'm sure he can. Like I, I saw, I saw one report that said uh, Miami would be a would be a really logical point for him, where they, you know, he could line up in the slot with Hill and Waddle on either side. I mean, can you imagine what a nightmare that would be for defenses to to deal with? But uh, yeah, I was going to mention too, David. David, uh, you know, and uh, sort of along the lines of what you're saying. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of taking a look at it, obviously, from whether the Titans should pursue DeAndre Hopkins and, and kind of the, I think our consensus is, yeah, they, they have to. But on the other hand, if you're DeAndre Hopkins and you probably kind of got your pick of the litter as far as teams, you know, where do the Titans rank? Aside from the, the Tim Kelly and Mike Vrabel connections, you know, if you're DeAndre Hopkins and you're going on 31, uh, you know, and you want to win a championship probably soon, uh, you know, how high are the Titans ranking on that list? And, you know, I, I guess on a recent podcast, I guess I am athlete podcast. He, he kind of rattled off his kind of his five choices, top choices as passers that he would want to, uh, uh, you know, catch passes from Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, 
uh, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, and and uh, so obviously tough competing there. I know the Chiefs are certainly looking for a wide receiver too, and it would be pretty tough to uh, you know to, to pick a team or for DeAndre Hopkins to pick any other team over the Chiefs. I would think if the if the money was right. Um, so we have to look at it from from that angle too. But um, yeah, bottom line, Titans at least have to uh, have to run it up the flagpole, give it a give it a shot here. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, you're. I think what uh, what his choice of quarterback speaks to too is he's looking at Super Bowl contenders, which the Titans right. are not mentioned as Super Bowl contenders this year. Although I, I saw a report in the last day or so that that he's even open to going back to Houston, maybe because. He sees yeah. Houston as an up-and-coming team right now. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, the, the Titans might want him badly. You know, Moran Carthen could be saying, I've I've been patient this whole offseason. This is exactly the sort of moment I've been waiting for. Now I'm going all in to get this guy, and, and all DeAndre Hopkins has to do is say no. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work out for the Titans. And, uh, um, but uh, it, uh, it, it certainly – it certainly would put a lot of people's minds at ease. I think we can all agree on that if it, uh, if it were to happen, but you know, it's, it's now June 1st, of course, too, when, when things will start happening and some more deals will get done across the league. So, uh, so I guess the, 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 the point here is stay tuned and we'll see. Um, you know, Denard, you mentioned, you mentioned Traylon Burks and, uh, and and all the reviews out of OTAs to this point are that uh you know his attitude is great his performance is great his work ethic is great uh you know certainly certainly that it it's unusual for for guys to be saying a lot of negative things at this point but uh but for a guy who had such a rough off season last year what could a what could a smooth healthy productive off season mean to him because you know as you've said he had his moments last year. His, you know, his numbers were not, you know, ultimately they, you know, they, they were okay in terms of other rookie receivers. Uh, you know, could he be among that, that second year wide receiver group, the guy who's making the biggest jump this year? Absolutely. Cause the only thing we talked about last year was his asthma and that wasn't very fun, but this year we haven't talked about uh, him missing any workouts. So that's a good thing. But you know, one of the things I love about trailing, is we were on him last offseason, especially, you know, um, in the OTAs. But, you know, what you want to hear from a second year, uh, at least what you want from your second year players, you want him to evolve. You want him to continue to get better because you drafted him so high. Right now, we know next year there is no receiver. I mean, when you look at this receiving core outside of trailing, who's going to scare you? So we know that there's going to be a lot of pressure uh, this offseason and a lot of weight that's going to be on his shoulder. What I love about Traylon is, like I said before, as I alluded to earlier, when his number is called, he makes plays. And what you want to see is a jump from year one to year two. And what better way uh, to make that jump when we're not talking about his health? And that was an issue last year. We kept talking about the asthma, the weather, this and that. And this year we haven't even um, talked anything. We haven't said anything about that. So that's that's a positive. And so when you got that positive and not to mention the chemistry between him and Ryan Tannehill, that's what I want to see uh, this offseason is how those two are connecting, how they're gelling, because Ryan is going to need a lot of help this year. You can't just depend on Derrick Henry anymore. you got to have a, a true uh, number two player to go to in this league. You look at Kansas City, 
they don't just rely on one player. They don't just rely on Travis Kelsey. What you have is a multitude of players making plays. Pacheco in the running game. You look at the perimeter, they added Juju Smith-Schuster. So for Tennessee this year, who's going to make plays other than the King this year? John, you, you, you've been out at OTAs a couple of days. Do, do you notice anything in particularly different? Does, does Burks look faster? Does he look stronger? When, when you watch him, what, what sort of comes to mind immediately for you? I would say, yeah, both. He looks faster, he looks stronger, he looks healthier, he's getting open. Uh, you know, and, and it's certainly not uh, just me that, that is noticing these things, too. You know, it's been a steady stream of praise from coaches you know, and then normally coaches are, are a little bit averse to, to offering too much praise, uh, you know, even in the off season. But, you know, we, we talked to Rob Moore the other day and, and um, he, he talked about how, you know, how, how much mentally stronger uh, he thought Traylon Burks was physically. He's in much better condition, much better shape. And kind of those two things together have made Traylon a more confident uh, player out there. And then when Ryan Tannehill talked about Traylon Burks the other day, you know, he was saying things like, you know, Traylon's flying around out there. You know, he's getting open and, and he's understanding uh, the, the big picture concepts better, not just what Traylon Burks is supposed to do, but how that fits into the big picture of the offense. And and he, that word confidence came up again with, with Ryan Tannehill, that Traylon Burks seems to be much more confident in general. And I, and I should uh, point out, too, we should we probably need to give a little little shout out to our to our guy Paul Kowarski, uh, who I thought had a pretty interesting story about Traylon Burks from last week's OTAs when uh, Traylon was trying to get back from Arkansas to to Nashville for the for a practice. His flight got delayed, so he wasn't going to be able to make it on time. Um, turns out all the rental cars had been taken, so Traylon, in order not to be you know missing a day of OTA or anything like that actually managed to uh, track down a, a private pilot uh, and, and who rented a Cessna airplane and flew trailing from Arkansas uh, to Nashville so they would be there for, for the OTA. So that's that's kind of the, you know, that sort of illustrates a little bit more of that that kind of can-do attitude uh, that we're seeing from Traylon Burks. And, I, and I'm impressed. I, I think we're going to see bigger numbers. I, I, I just, uh, I was tossing around some some thoughts in my head and uh, I was thinking maybe maybe we get close to 50 catches this year for Traylon, which is up from, from 33 last year. Maybe 650, 700 yards, maybe about five touchdowns or so. That doesn't sound like way over the top. But let's remember, we're dealing with the Titans offense right now. It, it comes kind of with, with limitations. So those are my kind of thoughts. I don't know if you guys had any, any thoughts on potential numbers for a, for a new and improved Traylon Burks this year. Yeah, you know, it. Uh, the, the one thing with his confidence, and, and in a funny sort of way, I think his confidence showed last year when, you know, some of the things you talked about, Denard, where, you know, he was he was taking heat all offseason for asthma, maybe being out of condition, whatever. He, he, he dealt with some injuries along the way. I mean, it was it was in some ways it was the worst. It was about as bad a rookie season as, as you would have expected from him. And it never seemed to get to him. You know, like when, when, when the media talked to him, he was always fine. He, you know, he, he, he was, he never ruffled at the questions. He, he answered them. I, 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 you know, thinking back on that, it, to me, that displayed a, a real sort of, of, of self-confidence that, uh, that, 
you know, now that things are going well, will manifest itself in in a much different way. And and yeah, just just that you know that story about him. You know, a lot of guys would have said, "Oh well, you know, it's voluntary. Uh, I'll you know I'll just call the coach, tell him what happened. I'll miss a day, and I'll be there. I'll be there the next day." And uh, you know, he he didn't do that. So that's uh, I, I think that's that's Reese against. I, I I would say fifty catches sounds conservative to me. I. I, you know, given given the rest of this wide receiver group, given what this offense is going to be, I mean, if he's not if he's not at sixty five catches or so, this is going to be this is going to be a really bad year for the Titans. He he's the guy who's you know he he's the guy who can sort of smooth some of these rough edges by taking a taking a five yard slant and turning it into a seventy yard touchdown. And if, you know if he can he can do that a few times. Uh, the, the you know the way we saw AJ Brown used to do it it'll it'll have a profound profound impact on this offense and David just to piggyback on that that's what Ron Tannehill is looking for he's looking for his next Corey Davis the season that he had a few years ago before he left to New York you know at that big season of nearly a thousand yards receiving unfortunately he missed a couple games he's looking for that next AJ he's looking for that next best receiver I think Traylon has a chance. Uh, to move into some pretty elite company. And I think, you know what, 50 catches, John, I, I agree with David. He needs somewhere between 65, hell, maybe even 70 receptions next year for this offense to do, put up some numbers. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, uh, yeah, would, there's no Austin Hooper, right? There's, there's no, no Austin Hooper right now, there's no. no. Like, I mean, like, and, and, and we've seen it. You know, Ryan Tannehill is not, you know, he, he, he says one thing, but his play speaks otherwise. Like, he will play favorites with his receivers. Right. If, if if Traylon Burks can can build that connection with him this off season, Ryan Tannehill will look to him and will throw it to him right. time and time and, again when they get into games. And John, I wanted to say something else, but very quick. And you said when you was talking and you were saying how you know he got back to Nashville, I thought you were going to say he he ran. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now that would have been a hell of a story. That's what I was about to say. Like, where are you going with this? <laughs> I think we all would have been talking about that story before now. If that, Arkansas that is not that far from Tennessee, but I was going to say, no, come on, man. Come on. Right. He arrived at 140 pounds, but, but he got there. Oh, uh, all right. On to, on to one of this year's rookies who, uh, who did have a rough day the other day when the, uh, when the media was at practice quarterback, Will Levis, who we mentioned earlier had a, uh, had a particularly rough time. Had had people talking about him. Um, he, he's fumbled some snaps at, at one point. Showed some frustration. Threw into traffic. Uh, John, it, it, is this reason for concern? Is this uh, you know pretty typical of every rookie quarterback around the league? You think what uh, what what's what's the early evaluation of him? My early evaluation is that's fine. That's that's okay. Uh, in fact, I think it may actually be a little bit of a good thing uh, that, that that we've seen some struggles, that we've written about some struggles, that fans know about some struggles, because I think we can remember going back uh, maybe just like a, a week or two earlier, you know, the fan base got a look at maybe a highlight clip or two of Will Levis throwing in, in an OTA, uh, you know, or at a rookie a mini camp, uh, and, and, you know, a, a highlight clip or two looked nice, and and then, you know, so many people were ready to chuck Ryan Tannehill out the door at that point and annoying Will Levis as the as the starter. 
Well, well, you know, pump the brakes a little bit on that. You know, th this is a rookie, and uh, you know, there's still plenty to, to like about him. You know, he's he's got a lot of things in his favor. He played in the pro style offense. He's a smart guy. He's got a big arm, but there are still going to be predictable struggles for for a rookie. You know, he's a guy that came in needing some work. You know, not necessarily the most accurate passer. He's got to got to work on that decision making. He's he's got to work on that. So these are things that that aren't too you know too shocking to me. And and again, I say it's probably a good thing in the big picture because this takes a little bit of the heat of the of maybe the, the expectations off of him uh, just a, just a little bit. Um, now you know fumbling snaps, which he did I think a couple of days in a row out there. That's another thing. You know that 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 has to stop. And you know Mike Vrabel kind of covered for him a little bit by saying, well, you know we had a bunch of centers, different centers rotating in and out, and you know, it's difficult to, to change all the time like that. But nonetheless, that that is the the big bugaboo is turnovers, whether it's a fumble, whether it's an interception. So he's got to get that straight. Uh, and, and you know, at least we saw certainly that that he is taking it very seriously because after, uh, you know, one of those uh, fumbled snaps, he nearly smashed his helmet on the ground. And, and uh, Mike Vrabel said afterwards, yeah, well, if he did that, we just have to dock his pay since that's one of those helmets that has the little radios in it and all that kind of thing. So we would have had to take that out of his salary, but it's, so it's a good thing he didn't do that. <laughs> Denard, we we know that that practices are scripted. That you know, coaches on both sides know what the other side is going to be doing. But uh, are there days where a defense is told? We're going to put the kid to the test today. We're going to show him some things that he hasn't seen, and 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 you know we we want to we want to see his ability to decipher things. And 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 if so, how how likely is it that a rookie quarterback is going to succeed on a practice day like that? Well, well, first of all, in OTA, it's very rare at uh, this time of year that your defensive coach is going to say, "Hey, let's do some disguises. Let's kind of move around a little bit," because a lot of times. When your will is probably going against other rookies, so there's not much that they don't. They don't. There's a ton to learn the playbook themselves. Now, when you get in training camp, you will have coaches sometimes say, "Listen, let's kind of mix it up a little bit," because right now everything is scripted. What rookies are trying to do, they're trying to get a grasp of the playbook. Now, uh, David, we talked about Will Levis. You know, he could have been potentially the number one draft pick. We talked about his athleticism. We talked about the fact that he is six three, got a Greek god body, two hundred thirty one pounds. He's got a cannon of an arm. I think. He can unleash it about almost 80 yards. But one of the things that we talked about Will Levis coming in is that there's a lot of cons to his game. We talked about his mechanics. We talked about his footwork. We also talked, talked about his struggles reading coverages. So right now, who has their hands full is Pat O'Hara, the quarterback coach right now, because he's the one that's got to make sure that he kind of get that corrected. So when you go into training camp, you'll see a little bit more production out of Will. But that's not uncommon for a rookie, believe me. I've seen a lot of great rookie quarterbacks struggle uh, in voluntary camps. We do need to correct you. Charles London, who uh, who is now the quarterback's coach. Oh, they, they moved Pat O'Hare out? They, they, oh, they, come on. They 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 passing game passing analyst game. Oh, what is that? Passing game? Oh, that's, that's almost saying like you already out the door. Yeah, but but I mean, you see him in these in these in these OTAs. I mean, he's still out there on the field. He's with the quarterbacks. He's certainly uh, he, he's he's certainly involved in that uh, in that development process to to okay. some degree. Okay. Um, but I'm just uh, making sure because you know I'm a big fan of Pat O'Hare's. I've been watching him since he was you know he's the backup quarterback uh, 
from 85 through 88 at USC behind Rodney Pete. So he, he was a good quarterback, and I watched yeah. him a couple of times at a lot of the arena games. I mean, he, he was he was a good enough quarterback yes. that he was – I mean, he was he was going to be the starter his senior year. In fact, was was the starter. I think it was maybe in fall camp, blew out his knee, and, and it opened the door for Todd Marinovich as a freshman. Oh to step in and, and become the legend that was Todd Marinovich. But but Pat O'Hara was good enough, similar to, to Matt Castle coming out of yeah. the same school, USC, like never really got to play much in college, still got drafted into the NFL. Tampa Bay drafted him, and he, he spent a year or two there before uh, before he went into the Arena League and then then went into coaching in the Arena League and was a was a really successful head coach. I, I, I find Pat to be an interesting guy, too, I'm, and I'm surprised he hasn't uh, – hasn't had opportunities to move up or maybe he has and, and, and hasn't taken them, but, uh, but yeah, going from, uh, from quarterbacks coach to, to passing game analyst feels like this, this might be his last season in Tennessee and he's going to have to, going to have to find somewhere, uh, somewhere else to go. Um, speaking of people on the move, this isn't as big a move, but, uh, but one of the one of the stories of these OTAs too is that uh, is that Elijah Molden, the third year cornerback, or I, I guess you call him a defensive back. The Titans have never really called him a, a true cornerback. Has been getting work at safety after uh, after uh, injuries pretty much derailed all of his second season. He was uh, he was their primary slot cornerback in 2021 as a rookie. Um, John, we'll go back to you. Is this uh, uh, is is this a demotion of sorts for Elijah Molden? Is this uh, is this a move look into the future? What you know? How how do you sort of how sort how do you sort of interpret this? Yeah, I, I look at it maybe a, a couple different ways. I, I think one of them, um, you know, when when you see Roger McCreary coming back and now likely to be flanked by Sean Murphy Bunting on one side and Christian Fulton on the other side. Those, you know, assuming all the, those three guys are healthy, you know, I, I think McCreary is your new nickel guy. And, re, and really, that's the only position that Molden had played. You know, he's not going to be an outside guy. Uh, so do you want him to be a backup nickel guy and, and you know, only play really in, in you know, four DB packages or, or if, if McCreary gets hurt? Or do you maybe want to uh, give him more of a role, a bigger role, and maybe even be a third safety? Um, and and I think, you know, some of Molden's characteristics maybe suit him well for the safety spot. You know, he's an aggressive guy. He's, he's a physical guy. Uh, he plays well around the line of scrimmage. He's a pretty good tackler. On the other hand, he's not the – he doesn't have great vertical speed. You know, and we saw him, you know, a couple of times get – it's zinged a couple times, even in the slot, uh, you know, and, and I think it's probably, Denard certainly can shed some more light on this, but it's probably a little bit more acceptable to not have that great vertical speed at safety than, than at corner. Um, and then, you know, again, as you're looking at the depth chart at safety, you've got Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker as your two starters, but it drops off a cliff uh, after those two guys in terms of uh, experience. You know, you've got, uh, I think Josh Thompson and Mike Brown are, are the two backups right now. I don't think either of those guys has ever played a defensive snap uh, in the NFL. You know, you've got a couple of free agents, you know, UDFA guys that are in there. Um, but they need better safeties, and, and they need a, a kind of a versatile guy, who the, the kind that they've had in the past that can 
sort of be that that maybe that uh you know maybe uh, uh handle some cornerback role maybe handle some safety and i think molden would be a an excellent uh fit for that so i i think there's a couple things in play but i i, th- I like the uh the move if it, if it does end up happening and we'll see if it does yeah, there there was talk about him possibly even being a safety, you know, coming out yeah. in his rookie season that that this was a move that could happen. And and this is a this is a, a team, this is a coaching staff that has had good success with three safety packages. You go back to to Dane Crookshank a couple of years ago, sort of as a a matchup safety against some of the the more challenging tight ends when uh, when when Bayard Hooker and uh, and Andrew Adams were all healthy last year. Hooker was sort of that guy who came down and and did some different sorts of things. So so Denard, you know, we'll ask you this playing slot cornerback operating in the those small tight spaces like that versus safety where everything's in front of you you're moving forward a little bit how, how big an adjustment is is that and uh, and how big a challenge for Elijah Molden to to make that move well if you're a if you're a corner moving from slot to safety you'll love that because <laughs> that's hard the, the slot corner is the hardest position on the field because there's more room there's more area that you have to learn how to maneuver through. Now, when you are a safety and when you come down, typically you will be covering much bigger uh, guys and and, in particular uh, tight ends. So that would be an adjustment is playing in slot. Now, Elijah, one of the things you love about him at Washington, you, he would be all over the field. You will see him at slot corner. You will see him at corner. Sometimes they had him back uh, like a safety, they had him all over the field. That's one of the reasons they drafted him. John Robertson loved his versatility. They thought Elijah can play the, the slot corner, which he did his rookie year and played well. Then he also can play the corner position. Then he can go back and learn a safety position. Listen, Tennessee had a great safety that is right around the size of Elijah Molden back in the late 19, uh, 1990, late 90s, early 2000s. Blame Bishop. Same thing out of Ball State. Hey, Big Bro was about 5'9". Elijah's about 5'10". Now, David, the only thing you're not going to like about it, Blaine didn't have no big old arms, and Elijah doesn't have big arms. But what you love... Are we we back to talking about long arms? uh, You know what? I had to get that in there. I had to sneak that in there with the arm situation. This (laughs) thing has been all in my head. But I think this would be a great move because, John, you just... and David, you just alluded to the fact that Josh Thompson and Mike Brown, and we don't know Kevin's situation. I mean, right now, we it's it's up in the air. So right now, you need depth because if Amani goes down, and we know last year, look what happened. Amani was hurt. So who are you going to plug in just in case something happens? This would be a great fit for Elijah to get on the field. Not to mention, David, he, he was hampered last year. He only played in two games. He had that groin injury, and he talked about that groin injury, that that's been something hampering him since 2021. So if he comes back healthy, and you're talking about plugging him in that safety position, I mean, who's to know, what if Kevin, what if Kevin's next year is, this could be his last year in Nashville, we never know this, so this could be your future uh, safety. Yeah, 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 they... This team drafted safeties in in 2021 and 2022. Both of those guys, you know, Brady Breeze first, and then Theo Jackson last year, both got cut. Both got picked up by uh, by other teams, and they're gone. I mean, the, the attempts to build depth at that position haven't uh, haven't worked out the last couple of years. So you need to you need to create that depth somehow. And uh, and 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 say this about Molden. He's a guy who has shown. 
that that he can learn and and even if he makes mistakes you go back to his rookie year struggled in week two and week three uh or I think it was week three didn't play hardly at all came back in week four played well and was it was the guy the rest of the year um you know so he he can he can he can figure it out as he goes and figure it out pretty quickly so uh I, I think I think from that that's a that's another reason that you can say okay this is this is a move that makes sense and David don't forget let's go way back now Marcus Robertson to me is probably one of the other than Kevin Byard one of the greatest free safeties played 10 years for the Oilers and Titans organization when they uh, Sarge um, when they drafted Marcus Robertson in 1991 out of Iowa State he was a cornerback and they converted him over to safety and spent 10 years in pro, pro bowls and at a 12-year career now what is a DB coach for the New Orleans Saints? Yeah. 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 Blaine, Blaine played. He, he, he's not shy about reminding people he played cornerback early in, at, at Ball State. Oh, he didn't play no corner, no Ball State. He, 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 he will tell you that he did. I, I, I can't vouch for it. I didn't, yeah, he will, he didn't tell watch you, him at Ball corner. State, but he said. Those legs. <laughs> You'll have to check with him on that. Um, and, uh, and, and with that, I guess we'll, uh, we we will wrap it up. This is the uh, time moves quickly every week, and uh, as usual, we thank you all for tuning in, for downloading, for telling your friends, and uh, uh, as we move move through the off season, heading to heading toward another season. But uh, we will be back to talk to you next week with another episode of Believe in Titans. Until then, Denard Walker, good day, thank sir. You. Thank you, John Glennon. A good day to you. Thank you, David and Denard. And, uh, and I am David Beauclair. Again, thank you all. This is Believe in Tight. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.